Let me sneeze real fast. <laughs> it's coming, maybe. Almost there. <laughs> yeah, look, look, look at the, my light right here. Not bright enough. All right. I, th- I think I don't think it's gonna happen. We're good whenever. Right, right when we're recording. <laughs> I'm dropping the hammer. No, you're not. And welcome back to Dropping the Hammer uh, with Dan McFadden. I'm Dan McFadden, the show's namesake. And with me, as always, uh, is my good friend, James Crow. But we all call him Crow. Hello, everybody. Uh, We are recording this on Thursday, September 16th, 2021. Uh, Was it five five days or so after uh, the second race? Almost a week. NASCAR Cup Series. Um, second playoff race at Richmond Raceway and two nights before uh, the Bristol night race and the conclusion of the NASCAR Cup Series playoffs. Um, we probably should have recorded this sooner just because of when that race is, but we didn't do that. Um, Got so birthdays and, and I have work. Yeah. And, and you have Daniel things. I just sit in my office and sell things on eBay and then record uh, breaking news videos because 2311 Racing just announced uh, basically an hour and a half ago or so that Bubba Wallace is going to have a new crew chief for the final eight races of the season. They are moving Mike Wheeler uh, out of his crew chiefing role into the full-time role of competition director, uh, which he he's held both those roles all year, but now he will be full-time uh is the competition director and they were placing on the number 23 team at crew chief. They were placing him with Booty Barker, a former uh, cup series crew chief who was last in that role back in 2017 at Jermaine racing, uh, working with uh, Ty Dillon. He he was at Jermaine racing from 2010 to 2017. But at this point, it just sounds like with all with these names, it just sounds like they're trying to, they're hoping that they win. The cup, the, the championship next season, so they can turn this into like Days of Thunder too. Just with the just the name. Yeah, like, like, I mean, that sounds like Booty Barker. I mean, that's a '90s crew chief name if I've ever heard one. <laughs> well, he's been around that long for the most part. Uh, he's been he's been he was a crew chief from the like early 2000s all the way up to 2017. Uh, but 2311 Racing said that Booty Barker's been with the team this year. It didn't specify what role that is in. But he's now the crew chief for the final eight years, final eight races for Bubba Wallace, which it's been a, it's been a disappointing year so far for twenty three eleven racing. They're twenty second in the points, and Bubba only has two top fives, uh, a runner up finish in the regular season finale at Daytona, and a fifth place finish at Pocono. And those are also their only top ten finishes of the year. Um, but there's been a, I, there's been a lot of pressure on Mike Wheeler to, to, to deliver for that team, and it's first year of existence um but now they're not in the playoffs and i guess you start working for next year or whatever on that team um n- now that the, they don't have to make big swings uh, in order to try to get in the playoffs you could just really just work on your chemistry as a team going forward for the final eight races um but we'll uh, we'll see how that shakes out um do you think that this was a planned for a while um and i say that because it wasn't like they're like when we said first said they're replacing the crew chief i'm like oh well you know they haven't had that great of a season so i guess you know they're making moves but then like oh he got promoted to, to so, into, into a position he, he technically already had <laughs> yeah so, so he so i don't know i'm wondering how much of a promotion this is versus a uh you know that, what you normally hear when someone well, says that my, the crew Mike, chief's gone. Well, Mike, Mike Wheeler, he'd been Denny Hamlin's crew chief uh, before Chris Gabehart up until yeah, Chris Gabe, Gabehart is his current crew chief, but prior to like two years ago, Wheeler had been his crew chief for a few years. Um, and I'm, I'm like the, the 2311 racing came together so quickly. <laughs> Like yeah. at the end of last year, uh, part of me believes that Wheeler was just like, "We need someone. You, we, we, I know who you are. We're putting you in the position." Um, and but 
yeah but it's been it's been a tough year um and also I mean, this- they, it's been a tough year but also you know they've been going out there and like you know they haven't been driving like denny hamlin they've been going out no. there and trying to run up front and and wrecking more often than they would probably like so but i but i think that but wrecking from pushing it not from and also also, also just bad luck yeah like that like this past week at richmond that they, a wheel came off a car or a tire came off a car and it bounced off bubba's car stuff like that yeah i haven't been on twitter but i I fully expect there to be like some kind of conspiracy thing about how he hit the tire on purpose because he did swerve into the tire oh he did okay like he clearly couldn't see because he was dodging cars but it looked like from the angle that they showed it happened it almost looked intentional and because you can't really see all the smoke and stuff that was everywhere i'm like i I know the the bubble haters out there are gonna you know be making some conspiracies (laughs) <laughs> not, not good ones like we do is there such a thing as a good conspiracy i mean welcome to the the good conspiracy surprise club. parties surprise parties those are good <laughs> conspiracies <laughs> unless you're socially awkward and don't like surprises I, I i was part of a surprise party last weekend for my grandma turned 80 so that that was i, I think that was like my first surprise party as far as i know so yeah um, my, my wife threw me a surprise party once but she did such a good job pretending like it wasn't like there wasn't going to be a party that i was like really really mad right up until the moment like like she tried to do this whole thing or it was like oh, oh yeah did, did it's you, your birthday did you, oh I, for, I forgot it's your birthday you know oh we'll just do a real quick little thing for you or whatever because i forgot it's your birthday and so i'm just like i'm mad and then and then like i show up to the house and there's like, like 50 people there and I'm, i had to go from like i'm real mad to oh there's a bunch of people here i need to act happy hi <laughs> As far as I know, no one's done a surprise party for me that I can remember. I mean, so. <laughs> you, I would hope you would know. Unless, yeah. like, you just, like, didn't show up. Like, they planned a surprise party, and they invited you to a restaurant, and you're just like, nah, I'm going to stay in tonight. <laughs> and oh, like, crap. <laughs> we spent $500 to reserve this room. <laughs> what, what, what's the name of that the chicken restaurant the in, there in Fayetteville? The something Thank cute. AQ chicken. AQ There's, chicken. It's, it's, it's in Springdale, the one in Fayetteville. Oh, okay. Open. Okay. So, 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 was there ever a time when a, when a bunch of your friends were really trying to get you to show up to AQ chicken and you did? <laughs> no, no. Okay. So, anyway, so we're, we're in a weird position this week concerning the Richmond race uh, because of I was at, I, I was at both a surprise party and then I visited another aunt and then just driving home. I consumed the first half of the Richmond race via Twitter and then Sirius XM radio. So I only saw, got to sit down and watch basically the last 200 laps of this race. Um, so, and I don't, I didn't miss much. Um, I missed Kurt Busch's wicked wreck in turn one where he just like lost, spun out, lost the tire, which then bounced into Bubba Wallace. He found so, it. And then that's, and then, uh, does he have to? So, so I know we're, we're trying to explain, you know, why we don't, why we're not going to really talk about the race. But what I want to hear, here's the question. Um, does, did Bubba Wallace have to give the tire back? I think they just like, I, don't, I think they just like pick it up and then like trash it, probably. Um, like they're just gonna, but they don't, you know, want to keep the rim. You know, they don't want to check it, see why it exploded. I don't know. It's, it, I just, it's like you have to like. I just imagine that like whoever the the lowest person on the totem pole at twenty three eleven racing is, they had to take this like destroyed tire that was drug all the way around Richmond and like carry it over to uh, the whichever Bush brother it was pit stop. I can never remember which one. Do don't people please don't name your children with the first same first letter yeah. it's confusing for people like me mainly just me and also espn because when it was announced that kurt bush uh was going to 2311 racing 
they sent out a push notification saying Kyle Bush was going yeah. to 2311 like, Let's just, can we please just start calling them Eminem Man and the other one? Monster Man. Monster Man? Okay. Eminem's <laughs> and Monster. Well, no, because it, M, Monster starts with M. It doesn't solve the problem. Ah, you're good point. Good point. Good point. How about uh, Candy Man and Extreme Man? Extreme. <laughs> um, all right, extreme man. I would say the guy with the flat, like Candyman and the the flat bill hat man, but they both wear the flat bill hats, and neither one of them pull it off. Have you have you ever? This is gonna be the one the one episode that goes viral with the drivers, and then no one's gonna ever want to talk to us because I'm just constantly hating on their flat brim hats that well, make have, them have you ever seen like, anyone like professional that, goobers. Have you ever seen anyone that pulled off? A flat build hat they look i don't i don't get them like i they've been a thing for about a decade now and i just don't understand flat build hats like at all. you can you can wear fat flat bill hats or you can look like a dad you can't do both and every <laughs> single nascar driver looks like a dad not if no they do not have you have you seen christopher bell daniel we're from the south people start young Christopher Bell does not look like a dad. He looks like he's 12. Um, and he's older than Chase Elliott. Uh, but Christopher Bell is so baby-faced. So baby-faced. Okay. He looks, Any he looks... driver over the eight that's legally allowed to drink looks like a dad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's, let's, write, let's write the cup drivers. Who, who has the most dad energy? Number Michael one. Michael McDowell. Michael McDowell. <laughs> <laughs> Coming in at number one. <laughs> I don't I don't know who who would be second. Um second on dad energy. The problem is like I'm have to run through a list of people and then I have to question whether or not they're an active driver anymore. <laughs> um like, Kevin Harvick, Kevin Harvick's got dad energy. He's you know mid 40s. Um Brad Kozlowski, dad energy. Um Newman. Oh yeah. <laughs> i think it's safe to say like all, all the drivers who actually have kids have dad energy um all the ones who don't have kids really don't so yes yeah, so the the nascar athlete pool is definitely the most likely collective of celebrities to wear jorts in public <laughs> jorts Oh boy. Anyway, Richmond. Uh what what were your takeaways from what you remember of Richmond? We're done. That's it. Like I I remember that I remember the Bush brother wreck and Bubba Wallace tire incident and honestly the rest of it and just kind of all Bubba brought out the there. only there, there was only two non-stage cautions or yeah. non-stage non-competition. Kurt Bush and then Bubba just I think I think he lost uh, a tire and just hit the wall, if I remember right. Um, so not not a great night for Bubba. Um, yeah, there, this was not a nothing like it, it was almost a car, sort of a carbon copy. No, not really of the spring race. This was Denny Hamlin's race to lose, and then Martin Truex Jr. comes back from jumping the start of the race. Uh, which I didn't realize until much later that 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 had happened that he got penalized for jumping the start of the race, uh, but he comes back and um, led a bunch of laps there at the end and just kind of ran away with it. Um, yeah. Oh, another way of putting this with about this race. So I always watch the like extended highlights thing on YouTube before we record to try to remember things to talk about. I'm still not I should there. do that. You should, yeah. I should I should do that. <laughs> you should just do that together and then just commentate on that. Probably. Um, yeah. But yeah, so but even though I watched that, um it like the, the title of it was like Joe Gibbs Racers versus Hendrick in, a, in at Richmond or something like that. And I'm like, and so I watched it and I, I don't understand like other than the fact that you know Joe Gibbs people finished up front. Like I don't I don't okay 
<laughs> like, if it, like, I guess, like, I never, there was never a point where it's like, man, these two cars sure are neck and neck. You know, well, who's going to win, top, Joe Gibbs six, Racing or Hendrick? Well, the top six cars were Gibbs, 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 Hendrick, Penske, Hendrick. But yeah, Chase Elliott led 58 laps. So, um, yeah, Truex led 80, Denny Hamlin led 197, Christopher Bell led 10, Chase Elliott led 58, and Kyle Busch, the other Gibbs guy, led 39. That was it. So, um, that's why they were the only team outside of Kurt Busch who led four laps to lead any laps this year. The, the, uh, to lead any I, guess, I guess like the word battle is where things got confusing there because I guess it should have been more like Joe Gibbs Racing and Hendrick drivers all lead laps at Richmond at different parts during the race. That's, that's too long of a title. I mean, it's not very much longer than the one they have. <laughs> so... So yeah, the takeaway on Richmond is it it happened like a week ago. And oh, we have you looked at which I guess Richmond can can we can segue into some of the news of the week was that the the new cups the cup schedule for next year was announced. Um, and one of the things that's part of that is that Richmond is no longer in the playoffs next year. Uh, it's moving out of its slot and going to be held in august and uh it's been replaced by homestead miami speedway which will now be uh in the round of eight um which i i know people liked having all the short tracks there in that first round with uh not short tracks but darlington richmond and um bristol um but richmond does not put on good races so and especially at night uh hold, hold them hold them during the day when the track's slicker and stuff like that and you, you'll have a better race like what i saw of the xfinity race was a better race um than the cup race so have, have you looked at the cup schedule at all um all i know is that they announced gateway which mm-hmm. you know is like a mile that way and yeah. um and then the la coliseum which still seems weird but <laughs> well well Okay, first off, you are the St. Louis native. You, you've been to Gateway a couple times, right? Yeah. So what, what, what do you think of that track? Um, it, so it, you know, it's obviously short track, uh, but it, it has that slightly weird, because it's not, it's not symmetrical short track. Yeah. Right? So it has slight weirdness to it, which can produce good racing. Um, I, I, so I went to the first IndyCar race there, and I've been to, I think, two truck series races there. Um, and all the racing has been good. Like, I mean, the IndyCar race I went to was a bit of a parade. But other than that, like, it, further back, you know, there was good racing. Everyone liked it. The drivers liked it. Um, they, you know, the truck series races that I've been to, were there were good. Um, the... I haven't been in like two years, but the power, the power didn't go out like at those races, right? No, no, but <laughs> I did get trapped in the uh, like we had to have to park in a cornfield, and um, it took us two hours before our car could move. But well, that's you know, tip- that's 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 yeah. typical of any NASCAR race. Yeah, I mean, it was just annoying because we literally could have walked back home before, <laughs> like we literally could have walked back home before we actually like were able to move our car. <laughs> Mm-hmm. There, I mean, there was a river in the way, but we would so we'd walk to the bridge, which wouldn't have been very fun. But yeah, well, so yeah, I've never gotten to go there, and it's technically not a short track. It's one point two five miles, one point two five miles, a mile and a quarter. Um, but yeah, it definitely has those characteristics. Um, I do know a NASCAR heat turn one and two <laughs> are a pain in the butt. Uh, I do I do not know how to get to those corners. Uh, on the nascar games it's it's hard so. yeah I, but the, the good the thing that's cool about that though is because so if i'm correctly it's like one and two are the smaller corners and then three and four are bigger but because of that drivers tend to carry a lot more speed like through the start finish line mm-hmm. um and, and then so basically anywhere where there's actually stands there's good racing like right in front of you there's also like not really any 
truly bad seats at Gateway. Um, like I've always done general admission and I, I'll sit middle top at a you know, near ish the start finish line. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it, I can see the, the front stretch, back stretch, all the corners pretty well. There, there's one little section where the towers or whatever get in the way a little bit, but mm-hmm. and if I were to pay for seats and sit like three rows higher, I wouldn't have that problem. So it's good. It, it, well, well, like it is a relatively small track so they're, they're, yeah. you're not it's not two and a half it's not two miles it's under a mile and a half so it's got it's even smaller than darlington um by by about a tenth of a mile um so uh, hopefully maybe i can come up there and watch that race they've already uh adam stern at sports business journal announced that after the announcement wednesday they'd already had five thousand ticket deposits um yeah it's not surprising hours. at all so it's an inaugural event. Um, the Midwest loves its racing. I'm surprised it took this long for NASCAR to go there um, compared to other tracks. Um, but well, the, you know the, the area where I'm from, the area where you know you went to college, you know in Northeast Arkansas, is incredibly underserved by racing, like like NASCAR, basically. You know, used to have truck series and um at memphis. the time bush series at memphis. memphis yeah but memphis raceway is you know in not great shape anymore um i don't even know if they still use it for racing anymore actually but so when we were in memphis i saw the sign for the track i saw like you know exit here yeah. to, to go there so yeah and like you know there's kansas city but kansas city is like for that area of Arkansas and Tennessee and everything like Kansas, like in Missouri, like Kansas city is really far away if you're driving because there's no interstates that go directly there. So, you know, no matter where you're at, you know, it's like a desert except for St. Louis. So saying like, it makes sense that, you know, like to have that race there because you are pulling in fans from, you know, all over Missouri, Arkansas, you know, Memphis, you know, Mid-South area, basically, um, all over Illinois. Our, 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 our friend John, who was on the show uh, last month, he, when, after the news was announced, I was texting with him, and he, he said he might, he might go to that race. So cool. you, you'll have, you might have people from Indianapolis there, too. So Chicago, Indianapolis, St. Louis, you got like yeah. a triangle yeah oh the other thing too is um there every time there's any kind of sporting event or any kind of like major event in st louis chicago runs those mega buses mm-hmm. to and from and so there's always people in st louis from chicago attending you know you know hockey you know baseball mm-hmm. you know racing that they did it for the masters when that was here so there's a you know definitely a lot, like a lot of pull for the area so, but you're you're not sold on the clash of the Coliseum. I mean, I don't. I, they can race wherever. Don't throw them in the parking lot. That's cool. <laughs> it's just it, it it running a race inside of like an arena or whatever, or I guess not arena, but it's it just it something about it feels even more gimmicky than a street race. Well, I mean, I get, I get that. Uh, but like, they're not, you're not going to build a permanent new racetrack. Yeah. That Those days are done. <laughs> so like, no, like it's, it's not 2001 anymore. Um, um, so you have to find creative ways to, to get your, your product in front of the audience. Um, and a quarter mile track, um, in a, a, it's a Coliseum's old, um, yeah. so, but um, in, in that that in that stadium that close to downtown Los Angeles, I mean it, it's not, I'm not. I'm not looking at a map. I don't know how far Auto Club Speedway in Fontana is from the actual downtown Los Angeles area, um, but it's closer. Um, it's a short track. It, it's t- it is going to be a temporary asphalt track. Um, which is going to be interesting because usually new asphalt doesn't typically produce 
good racing. Yeah, um, and this is something is like I just I can't imagine this being great. Like every other thing that's been pitched, like I can see how it could be really cool. This like how many drivers would be in this? Uh from my understanding, Steve O'Donnell of NASCAR did an interview with SiriusX and NASCAR Radio yesterday and said, it's going to be an invitational. We're, we're going to inv- invite pretty much almost everyone, but they'll likely do heat races. And the final okay. main event probably won't have more than 25 cars. Because okay. um, before this, the Bush class, well, Bush class, you had to like qualify for it in some manner. Either getting a pole, winning the Daytona 500, winning the being, being a previous winner of the Bush Clash, a stage winner, basically the everything. Just do 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 the minimal <laughs> thing at some point during the year, and you might you'll probably get in, um, which really diluted the race. Um, so, but I, I'm curious. I'm excited that they're trying. Um, that it, this is a made-for-TV event thing um it it who who knows if the race is going to be good but it's going to be something to watch um yeah i I just i guess kind of where i'm at is you know you know maybe this is a test for something else it just it just seems weird to me that you're making a temporary asphalt track in you know it calls it calls him and it it that's that small for cars that really aren't made for that. Well, that well that's the that's just, well. I mean this this will be the race that where they actually debut the next gen car. Um, yeah, and that's the other thing. It's like I, like the, do I, you I, really I, want yeah, to risk I would rather, this going horribly? Well, I would I would rather show off this new car under these circumstances than in a super speedway race, um, where you're not really gonna see the difference um of the old between it and the old car um and this is pack racing uh the people are gonna get wiped out at some point um so i know some people want them just to use the old cars in this race um and i get i totally get that but i also i think you want the premise of these new cars is they're supposed to Oh, more mechanical grip put put it in the car in the driver's hands or whatever and all that so you're you're more likely to actually see the results of that in in under these circumstances than you would in the day 2500 um so i yeah it, yeah it just seems like a weird decision i feel like there are other ways that they could do this especially if they're doing this they're going to unveil the next gen car at this event also also this this is being held the weekend before the Super Bowl, which is also in St. Louis, which is also in Los Angeles. So they're also yeah. trying to piggyback off of what's going on in that area um, with the biggest sport in the country. Um, so yeah, because because you know attaching yourself to the NFL is definitely what you need to do to sell your sports league nowadays. <laughs> oh well, um, but yeah, that, that that's really those really are the biggest new things with the, the cup schedule the clash and uh st louis other than that it's just some kind of the moving around of uh race dates and stuff like that um but yeah um anyway that's all i think we can we got news wise so what time is it crow it is time for an interview with michael mcdowell that was i guess open press but daniel asked questions right <laughs> i did but that, that that in other words in, in short it's time for mcdowell watch so yeah anyway uh our our, uh, our our intrepid daytona 500 winner michael mcdowell is not having a good time um he has dnf'd <laughs> in the last um in two of the last three races uh has engine problems at daytona uh wrecked was the first guy out at darlington and then richmond um nothing nothing great happened (laughs) for michael mcdowell um at richmond uh he had three pit road penalties 
uh, that defined their race Saturday night um, that ultimately put him down multiple laps. Uh, and he finished, where did he finish? He finished. Oh, that's the truck race. Um, where, what, why am I looking at? Oh, that's right. Hold on. You're going to have to edit this part out. I'm leaving uh, it. I'm leaving it. So everyone knows but I have to scrub through an hour of content to find. He finished 28th. He finished 28th after three speeding penalties. He finished five laps down. And one of, one of those speeding penalties was him from when he was trying to serve the penalty for the, his first speeding penalty. Yeah, not great for uh, Michael McDowell right now going into the final cutoff spot, final cutoff race of the round of uh 16 um points wise he's still 16th in the standings um 38 points back from the cutoff spot uh the next closest driver the 15th place driver is william byron who is 18 18 points back so he is 20 points behind the next driver going into bristol uh but yes uh, on wednesday NASCAR had uh, Mike McDowell available for media availability and where he got to talk about where his team is at and what his mindset is going into this race. Um, and he said that his team had this race circled as their best, their best shot. Um, so here is uh, a few minutes with Michael McDowell previewing uh, this weekend's race at Bristol Motor Speedway. Next question is going to come from Jeff Magalichetti. Go ahead, Jeff. Thank you, Michael. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, going back to Bristol, I believe you have three consecutive top third, top 15 finishes there, including a 12th on the dirt back in the spring. So what's clicked for you guys over Bristol over the past three visits? Yeah, I think that Bristol has always been a strong track for front row and for our, you know, our alliance with uh, Roush Fenway, those are always been pretty, pretty strong tracks for us. For whatever reason, it seems to, even with package changes and things like that, it's seemed to fit our car as well. Um, and even prior to those top 15s, we had some really good runs at Bristol and, um, you know, got into an accident or, you know, something happens like that, right? So we've had speed there, you know, since really since I've been at Front Row and prior to me being at Front Row, we had speed there and um, so yeah, it's a track that, you know, in this, this, you know, first round of the playoffs is the one that we circled for our best, you know, Bristol would be our best of, you know, Darlington, Richmond, Bristol. Um, so yeah, we're looking forward to this weekend. Obviously we've, we've dug ourselves a big hole, but, um, Bristol has been a good track for us. And, and so we'll see what we got. On that postseason note, you know, even if it, even if the playoff dream does end on on Saturday, you know, this has been such a step in the right direction for this team. I, it feels like they've come miles since their first playoff appearance back in sixteen over five years ago. So, even if it does come to an end on Saturday, what's the biggest takeaway you're going to have from this playoff experience, and and how big is it for FRM's for both your future and FRM's future? Yeah, so I, I you know I kind of break it down into a couple different you know, categories as far as how we'll feel, you know, overall, this season's been great. And like you said, it's been a career year for me and it's been a, a career year for front row. And, and, you know, we have more speed and more potential in our race cars and, you know, more top tens and more top fives than we've ever had. Um, so on the, the overall scale, you know, it's been a, been a great year, you know, the playoffs has been really disappointing. Um, and it, and what's so disappointing about it for me and for all of our guys is that, it's been, you know, mistakes. It hasn't been a lack of speed. And my guys have done such a great job of getting prepared for the playoffs. And, and we actually had good speed at Darlington and Richmond. And we don't have anything to show for it. You know, obviously crashed to Darlington and then had three uh, pit road speeding penalties at Richmond that took us out of it. But feel like we had a, you know, a 10th to, you know, 10th to 15th place car at both of those racetracks, which is really good for us. Um, so I'm very disappointed in myself and I'm very disappointed in how these first two rounds of the playoffs have gone. 
So that's the second part. The third part is, is that even if we are eliminated, there's still a lot to race for, for us for the rest of the year. Um, you know, so we, we still want to finish strong. We want to beat, you know, cars that we can beat there in the points and, you know, finish out the, the season like we'd hoped to. And so I'm, I'm optimistic really about that just because of the speed that we've had in our race cars, even though, um, you know, my execution has been really poor these last two races, which it, it's disappointing. I mean, it's super frustrating. And so um, we still have a lot of opportunities to get it right. Uh, we got some great tracks coming up and um, we still have a shot at Bristol too. So we, we just got to go out there and, and see what happens. All right. Our next question is going to come from Daniel McFadden. Go ahead, Daniel. Hey, Michael. So, so given the disappointment so far in the postseason and the fact that you, you know, you said you, you, you guys had circled Bristol as being your best track. What's your just overriding feeling going into this weekend? Do you feel like you're up against the wall? Do you feel like there's an outside chance that you can pull a rabbit out of the hat? Like what, what are, what's your team's yeah. head mindset right now? Well, the mindset, the mindset is still the same as it was, you know, at Darlington and Richmond is that we knew no matter what we were going to have to, you know, put ourselves in position to have three incredible races. And, and now that we've wasted two of them, you know, we, we got to have a really incredible race at Bristol. So for, for me, it's just about trying to win the race. And, um, you know, if we're in a position to do that, if we have the speed to do that, if the strategy works out to do that, we're going to do everything we can to put ourselves in that position. But at the same time, if we're running 20th all day and we don't have a shot at winning the race, we need to give some momentum back and we need to get some solid finishes. So, um, you know, it's really just going as hard as we can and being aggressive like we've been, uh, but also just seeing how the race plays out. If I'm, if I'm restarting, you know, with 10 laps to go and I'm in the top five, I'm going to do everything in my power to, you know, make big, aggressive, bold moves to try to get yourself into a position to win. But if you're running 20th with 15 to go, I'm going to do everything I can to get 15th and get some momentum back so we can get back on track and start scoring some points. Cause you know, with a, a 37th at Darlington and a 28th at Richmond, you know, those, these, and, you know, having an engine issue at, at Daytona, you know, these, 30 plus finishes has really hurt us, you know, these last few, few races for sure. So how, how do you guys as a team uh, this weekend, make, make sure you don't like overthink uh, any given situation to, to, you know, overcorrect in some circumstance? Yeah. Bristol makes it probably pretty easy for that, especially without qualifying and without practice, you know, so you, you have what you have, you, you don't have an opportunity to, um, to overthink it and screw it up in that regard. And then usually strategy is pretty straightforward at Bristol. Very rarely are you making green flag stops, even though we did see it last year um, in the fall race, but typically there's not a whole lot of um, gambles that you have to take. So it's a pretty straightforward race in that regard, other than a lot of attrition and, and things happen quickly there. Um, so yeah, I don't see it being one of those races where, you have to overthink it and put yourself in a, in a box. So you, you just got to have speed and you got to have track position. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Our next question will come from Alex Andrea. Go ahead, Alex. Hey, Michael, thanks for your time. I um, just wanted to follow up quickly on one of your answers before where you talked about, you know, the, the mistakes that happened, the early crash penalties, but you know, you're not the only, I guess, playoff driver that we've seen in these races have a mistake or early exit from a race. So I'm, I'm, curious what you make of that. I mean, do you think, is, is that surprising that we've seen so many of these, you know, early exits of playoff drivers mistakes early, or is it not because it's the playoffs and drivers are amped and teams are amped? What, what do you kind of make of how it's gone so far? Yeah, I, I wish I knew. And if you find the answer, let me know. I'm, you know, I'm still going through that, you know, for myself, I haven't, haven't felt like I've you know, totally changed anything in the last, you know, two weeks. Um, but obviously I've made more mistakes. So I don't know if that's the pressure of the playoffs or just, you know, the ramped up extra, you know, push of, of effort and energy, or it's just, you know, the timing of how, how motorsports work sometimes, you know, there's, there was a point in the season where even when things would go wrong, you could overcome it and, you felt like, you know, you couldn't do anything wrong. And then there's, there's parts in the season where you just can't get it put back together and you keep, 
you know, like the last few weeks, keep making mistakes and different mistakes. It's not the same mistake every time, you know, something new pops up. So um, yeah, it's just been, it's been wild, you know, last three weeks, it's just been one of those things where, you know, for me, um, I haven't had an engine failure in a very, very long time that wasn't related to, you know, damage or debris coming through the grill or something like that. Um, I can't remember the last time I spun by myself without contact and uh, ended a race. So that was a new one. And then, you know, to speed on your speeding, speeding penalties while serving your speeding penalties is uh, a first for me too. So, you know, it's, I don't know if it's the added pressure or just the intensity or just, you know, making, making mistakes and, and uh, yeah, just not overcoming it. Do you foresee like just the, the actual tracks themselves too? I mean, Darlington and Bristol have been said to be among the hardest. Do you, do you think that's also contributing to some of what we've seen early? Yeah, I think that's the number one factor, honestly, it's just Darlington's a track where it's very easy to make mistakes. Um, you know, it's, we see it a lot. It's very easy to get in a wall. It's very easy to, you know, make mistakes there. Uh, Darlington, Richmond and Bristol, are are among the probably the hardest pit roads for us because the the pit roads aren't straight they're curved and so anytime you have curvatures in the pit road you're adjusting your speed for those so you're going up and down in the speed so it makes it easy to make make mistakes and have have penalties you know dover is a little bit like that too so i think it is i think it's the type of tracks where you know mile and a half are are a little bit more straightforward um you know, where these tracks in particular have, you know, they're tough racetracks with a lot of tire fall off, a lot of um, long green flag runs. And so, you know, there's more opportunities for mistakes, I feel like. So, he, he Michael McDowell, he's trying to keep things positive going into this, this weekend's race. Uh, he will start 16th in the race as a result of all the playoff drivers starting one through 16 uh, in, in a combination of NASCAR's formula. Uh, he will start behind Kurt Busch and ahead of Ross Chastain, um, Martin Truex Jr., who won at Richmond. Uh, I think that no, I, I almost thought that was the first time I mentioned that he won. Uh, he will start. <laughs> Martin Truex Jr. will start first on the pole. His teammate Denny Hamlin starts second. Joey Logano starts third. Chase Elliott fourth. Kyle Larson fifth. Um, and. Uh, Anyway, all right. So this is our first time at Bristol this year on pavement. The last time we visited there in the spring, it was on dirt. So it'll be a completely different race. Michael McDowell, the last time he finished a race at Bristol on on dirt, on pavement, he finished 10th. Last, last year, Bristol night race, he finished 10th after starting 26th. Uh, and the race before that, the mid-afternoon starting race, he finished 14th. So, yeah. So last two races on pavement at Bristol, he finished 14th and 10th. So uh, that that's definitely reason for his team, the number 34 team, to be looking up um, going into this weekend's race. Um, so hopefully, yeah. so so he he basically has at this point has to win because what what's the what's the point spread between like first and like last in a race first and last um it's kind of hard to, to, to say you know with stage points and all that um but like but like you could finish last and not, not earn any points um but yeah it, it's 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 all it's 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 quite a bit but um between like McDowell's 38 points back from the cut line, Alex Bowman and Kurt Busch um, are tied for that the area around the cut line. Kurt Busch is 12th based on a tiebreaker, and Alex Bowman is 13th. They each have two, 2,053 points. So, uh, McDowell has 2,015. Um, so for Michael McDowell, he needs to have the race of his life, but you know, it wouldn't hurt if William Byron, Tyler Reddick, Alex Bowman, and Kurt Busch all had problems, um, like, early in the race. Yeah, I, I'm um, sure there's some way he can, like, so if everyone above him finishes 36th or worse, 
and he and he comes in second. I think maybe there's a I think I think that maybe he can get up there, but basically he's get like because he would get 35, like not counting any bonus stuff, he'd get like 35 for second, right? So if if everyone else wrecks out early, he could make it to the playoffs in second, maybe. But he's gotta win the race. Basically. Like I said, you got he's gotta be hoping um that those guys right in front of him like don't earn stage points like for one get get through the first two stages with those guys either earning no stage points or minimal stage points and um if he can just like find his way to get into the top 10 by the end of the race and be ahead of those guys or those guys are wrecked out for whatever reasons yeah he has a chance so um, but it's it's hard when all 16 guys in the playoffs are starting up front like that. Um, so it, it'll be a challenge. It'll be a challenge. Um, all right. Picks for Saturday at Bristol. Who, who are you taking, Crow? Um, I, I've got to I, – I, I know it's not going to happen, but I've got to, I've got to pick my Dow. McDowell, I, I've got to go for the long shot. Like okay. I, I've, I, I have to have faith here because he's got to win, basically. So he's, so I got to go with McDowell and just hope, 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 hope that that's an, that me sitting here hoping is enough to motivate him to win. You're, you're gonna manifest it, right? That that's the that's the the phrase. The cool kids are using these days. This you're gonna manifest it, um, but anyway, I'm taking Ryan Blaney to win. The guy who I've picked to win the championship, um, he's really good at Bristol, um, but he just hasn't been able to, come, you know, seal the deal. Um, in his last six starts there, going back to 2018, he's had races where he's led 100 laps, 121 laps, 158 laps. And uh, in the, the the spring race last year, he led 60. But he in that same stretch, he's had two DNFs. Um, so he, I, I think he's finally going to get the job done. Uh, he is starting seventh. Um, so I, I think that Ryan Blaney is going to get the job done under the lights at Bristol. Um, and this, 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 like, he's coming off the best finish of his career at Richmond. He finished 10th. It's the first time he's ever finished um, in the top 10 at Richmond. It, that is not his best track. So he finally did some good there. Um, and ever since they announced that um, the, uh, the, the NASCAR ignition game, which has Ryan Blaney on the cover, he's been doing really good. Uh, two wins, a second place. He did have that spin due to brake failure at Darlington, um, but he didn't bounce back and gets his best Richmond result yet. So I think he's going to finally get a Bristol win um, and begin his march toward the championship. Um, and I'm doing good so far in the last three weeks on my picks. I picked Bubba Wallace to win at Daytona, finished second. Uh, I picked Ham Hamlin to win Darlington. He did it. And I picked Trix Jr. to win at uh, Richmond, and he did. So I'm, do I'm doing I'm doing real good now. I'm, on, I'm well, on a hot streak. Well, I picked Ross Chastain for most of those, and I got a little tiny die cask of his car. Oh, hey, look at that. It's the, the Clover one. It's nice. the, the NASCAR Authentics uh, whatever Hot Wheels scale the, one, the ones they sell at, like, Walmart. I got it at Target. Or Target. <laughs> the one that but, comes on a hook. No, so so the one they, the ones they sell at Walmart are the the smaller ones. So here here's William Byron. So there's the size comparison. Yeah. So this is the Hot Wheels scale one. This is like I don't know what this is. Like one, <laughs> I think this is like one sixty four. Maybe this is one twenty four. I don't know. I don't, I don't know scales off the top of my head. But like, hey, Ross is doing. Uh, very good right now. Um, he is consistently the 
highest running like non playoff driver. Um, and he like he did what he tried. They tried to do what they did at Darlington at Richmond. Uh, you know, towards the late stages of the race, they were the first to pit, and he inherited the lead. Didn't keep it very long, um, but he, he he did. He was running in the top ten pretty much all night. He finished seventh, um, and the next highest placing non playoff driver was Austin Dillon in eleventh. Um, so, well, I don't I don't know how he he does at Bristol typically, or like in the Xfinity series. Um, but no, yeah, he. He finished 18th at Daytona, third at Darlington, seventh at Richmond. Um, so he, he's having himself a pretty good play, playoff run for someone who's done the playoffs. Anyway, you 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 took Michael McDowell. I I, I took Ryan Blaney. So we will, took we, Michael McDowell and Hope. <laughs> Michael McDowell and Hope. <laughs> That's the title of this episode. Michael McDowell and Hope. So um, anyway, all right. So we will reconvene uh, back here next week to recap Bristol and then preview Las Vegas Motor Speedway. So anyway, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Dan McFadden, and you can follow Mr. Crow at DTH Crow, uh, though you, you might be waiting around a while for him to tweet anything. Um, I post like at least once a month. <laughs> But please remember to to, to subscribe to the, the podcast, like it, review it, help people find this. Um, also subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is at youtube.com slash Dan McFadden. I have posted quite a few videos in the last week. This is the, this is the big, busiest I've ever been on the YouTube, the YouTube's crow. And we're, we've gotten quite a few views. Um, we're doing, we're doing good. Feel, feeling good about what we're doing right now. So, um, but yeah. Um, that's it. Thank you guys for listening to Dropping the Hammer this week. I'm Dan McFadden. Uh, talk to you guys next week. Goodbye.